I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh, no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die Welcome back to a, well, before we start the show, uh, this is part two of the book club, which is very much delayed, so I apologize for that. Um, my mental health has been too good, unironically, so I have not had time to work on this. But um, before we get started, let me say that uh, this is part two of the book club. This covers the first half of part two of the Q book. We specify where we stop in the beginning of the recording. Um, and in the next coming week, uh, by Thursday, Jake and I will be back with a regular interview episode, and Tyler and I should be back in the next week or so with the actual book club episode, now that I'm finding time. So, if you are still listening and you're still here, thank you for being here, and let's get to part two. One glad morning when this life is over. Welcome back to the Left is Dead book club. It is me, Jim, joined by Tyler again. How's it going, Tyler? It's going good. So we both agree that the book is getting good now. It was um, good. It was never bad, yeah. but it's getting really good. Like, um, I wanted to read further. <laughs> no, I, I went a little bit, but not too far. I had to stop myself because we've been putting this off so long. So, sure. Um, I don't know. We, we left. And let's off. catch up our readers. Where are we? Yeah. Well, what what chapter? My chapter is different than your chapter. Yeah, we are at. They're dated, so this is uh September twentieth, fifteen thirty-three. For me, this is part two, chapter twenty-one, and for you, it's. I have. What was the date? We had Leiden, September. Yeah, September twentieth. Yeah, we end in chapter fifty for me in part two. So this is chapter 21 for me. Okay, so yes, we end on the chapter. That. Part two, but, uh, we like the dates, especially when there's flashbacks. There's a lot of flashbacks. Yeah. In um, our narrator, who uh, is nameless but is now going by Gert, uh, is kind of chilling out, hiding out, and telling his story. Managed, well, yeah, this is... It definitely feels like the middle of a book, right? You know, like catching up to speed with what, you know, solving some initial mysteries, but building up to the final conflict. And, um, you know, it's a page turner at this point. I really like it. Yeah. Well, and there's also, we, you know, people know or will know that there's going to be like a confrontation in the middle of this book too. You know, this is, 
this story is leading up to like the most the part I'm most interested in is was what happened like how they retell the story of Munster through you know the Q narrative in this book, which it seems interesting. But um, yeah, this one, like you said, we started well. We ended last time with uh, the defeat of the coin or the you know the Catholics catching the coiner and the, the Lutherans basically disavowing the Anabaptists. The peasant war is kind of over. Um, and we move into, like you said, uh, Amsterdam, which is what, like 10 years down the line or something like that. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing everyone who was involved with the peasants war kind of fizzle out or get hunted down or, you know, else be betrayed. A lot of the initial characters, you know, except for our narrator meet with some very grim ends. And that's telling these stories to, um, he, he's hiding out with Anabaptists, you know, right. who have a very much a, a hippie commune vibe. And he's just like whittling, you know, literally whittling and just passing the time and telling his war stories. What, um, what I thought was really cool is in the, the first part of the book, I mean, it's not exactly groundbreaking, but he was like wimpy. And then, you know, he kind of gets shown how to fight and thrown into all these battles. And now, by virtue of surviving all of that, where his contemporaries have been hunted down and killed, he's the like the grizzled veteran. Yeah, yeah. Um, we open up like he's left. Well, he's leaving like central Germany, and he had he ends up heading north. Uh, the story opens. He has actually met up with a Malcor Hoffman, and I don't know if we went into this enough the first time, but this is that you. People need to remember it's a time where everyone called themselves a fucking prophet. You know, there was yeah, a and also everyone has a fake name. That too, but everyone also like literally called themselves a prophet, and and again, like this was a, a you know they were taking the extreme route of like Lutheran Luther's teaching of like interpret the Bible for yourself. But Hoffman was from the Netherlands. Uh, he was the nonviolent Anabaptist who was waiting for like revelation to come on its own or whatever. And who believed that the Anabaptists shouldn't fight. Uh, Hoffman ended up going into Amsterdam, into the Netherlands and was eventually arrested, which is where our character leaves him. Um, Hoffman ended up living his whole life in like a tower in Amsterdam, which was odd for the time since most of them just got killed. Well, I mean, that's essentially, uh, Life imprisonment was supposed to be a death sentence due to the conditions yeah. of the prison. So it's odd that anyone who gets life in, I mean, that wasn't exactly an odd sentence, but it's like you're you're supposed to die in two weeks from dysentery or some shit, you know? So but most um, of these people you know, the church had put down. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm just saying that a death sentence wasn't unheard of. It's I mean a life yeah. imprisonment wasn't unheard of because it was supposed to be death sentence um i don't know anything about this guy but like it almost seems like uh just from that surface telling that he had some sympathetic guards that like gave him a loaf of bread that wasn't covered in bugs well i think that the life sentence itself i think the life sentence itself may have been part of like a sympathetic act by the lutherans because once they had reached like amsterdam the the hand of the holy roman empire is gonna leave your fate in god's hands yeah, and the hand of the Holy Roman Empire is much like weaker in you know the lowlands of Germany and in the Netherlands and stuff like that. They're not, you know, the 
the Constantinople and the Vatican both have like very little control. And at this point in the book, um, all of a lot of the landowners are taking sides, which will become important in Munster because Munster ends up uh, being a mixed city of Catholics and Lutherans. But at this time, like people are getting like town councils and there, uh, there are reforms passed because of the peasant war and Lutherans are given place on places on town councils. Um, the artisans like who we'll meet some of in Munster later are, you know, they're starting to get uh, this base of power among the Lutherans because they're no longer beholden to the Catholic church. They wanted to be Lutheran so they didn't have to pay taxes. So they're willing to finance yeah. some more of this radical shit. Yeah, yeah another, uh, in terms of like the urban population, apprentices here in this era particularly are really, and they're always rowdy, you know, they're young men unmarried young men you know in any context they're going to be fucking rowdy but But the british put them on boats yeah they're breaking out of uh i mean the premise the guilds are still going to stick around for centuries a couple centuries after this but it's like this is the point where people are getting breaking out of the feudal mode that uh oh your dad was a baker now you got to be a baker you know people are getting to the the mindset just if you make money it doesn't matter you know (laughs) Yeah, there is like what you see in this for the age it's in is there's a lot of like trade in the urban centers. And um, uh, something about the Industrial Revolution, I mean, this is a little bit early, but they're doing stuff. The first wave of the Industrial Revolution didn't have any fucking machines. It was just shit was organized better. And interchangeable people lost and their jobs for that too, you know? So now we're seeing the, 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 the embryo of that. And, you know, so these apprentices are kind of losing out compared to the feudal system where you were, if you lived in the city, you were set for life. You now you have to actually compete with the market. Yeah, you definitely had um, like a growing class of a sort of a proto urban proletariat, like displaced. peasants. Yeah. And there was, you know, there was a lot of like I said. There, like you said, I mean, people advanced out of their caste, kind of. There was like a, there was artisans and traders in a lot of these major cities, and uh, Munster itself ends up becoming like a huge hub for commerce and a very like liberal place for the time. It, but um, yeah, so I, they end up in Amsterdam with Hoffman too, right? He ends up with Hoffman when he's captured. He leaves Hoffman, and then he uh, ends up meeting. Well, he gets his name. Geared from the well when he meets Jan Matthias. And that yeah, is Jan. Jan. He gets thrown in the well. Yeah, you tell he it. Pops him up and like fucking kill somebody. So now now he's the badass. I mean, that's my, my I'm so endeared to this guy for that <laughs> very simple plot that, oh, his badass mentor got beheaded. And now he's got to man up and be the badass. Yeah, the well story takes place. It's funny, like, kind of meetup story for these two characters because Jan again Jan Matthias is another real like self-proclaimed prophet um he was a follower of Hoffman who disagreed on the uh, message of violence that was the main split between him and Hoffman and when he left Hoffman you know he left Hoffman earlier than our main character does in like terms of real history because he disagreed with Hoffman's uh ideas on the use of violence and he didn't believe in waiting to be slaughtered by the church so that's where Matthias breaks up. But Matthias is an older guy and he ends up meeting our main character when, like you said, he's pushed down a well and he comes out swinging a bucket and knocking out a bunch of mercenaries. <laughs> a bucket on a rusty chain. That does kind of, yeah. 
That's badass. Yeah, that's yeah. when I was on this book. That's like badass. And he starts to talk more about like let's do a D and D campaign next, right? They they do that as a podcast. Oh no, we're reading only the chapters about like sewers and Les Mis. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll go, we'll cut to the chapters about whale oil and Moby Dick. Yeah. Yeah. All the fucking the whale pathology that he does. Yeah, like, everything that out of the well. bridge, uh books that we're doing. Just the shitty part. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're doing the when Frankenstein is like fucking like in a cave reading Voltaire. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're gonna read all the bad parts of books where like people inserted their own personal stuff. Just the end yeah. of the jungle. Like, <laughs> the last two chapters of the jungle. Uh yeah. But I back to it. so Matthias is another like prophet. He's an older guy. Um and I, again, like another huge thing about this that it shit, the Bible luther kind of started but the anabaptists went wild with it was they were printing it in like lowland german and all these different dialects and you start to see in this they're also like distributing like propaganda flyers and scraps of paper with just and it you, this happens a lot in europe all the way up to like the french revolution just cartoons like screwing shit up you know I mean, oh yeah no I mean, that is that is the the fox news or the social media or the fake news ben so, I mean, it's yeah yeah, and Garrison um, lived back then. He'd be drawing like a monarch shitting on like his wife. Well, yeah, but that would that would still be at the same fucking place as all the other legitimate news. I mean, there's oh, yeah. no there's no way to fuck the difference, you know. And it's not like any of the central authorities are like trying to get you any like educational material or like news from outside or anything like that. If anything, propaganda. Yeah, at this time, they're trying to smash down the Anabaptists who are distributing propaganda everywhere and dropping leaflets all over. The guy who has the contract to print the king's propaganda, he's still going to put on the local twist and right. fucking change it around so that, you know, he knows his market. And that was what we saw, like, you know, that was the error in communication was what we saw in part one where they, you know, Hugh writes a letter himself as like a, another Anabaptist who's like taken into the woods and he sets them all up for failure. And I don't know, I, I, I'd imagine it'll be a similar role, <laughs> but Matthias um, and well, our main character end up died, together. Right? We're, we're hoping that Q gets his comeuppance, right? I don't know. He might work. I don't know. Do we? I have to see how the Anabaptists turn out. They turn into Amish yeah. people. So something happens. Well, I mean, uh, just the way that Q writes to his boss, I want to see his yeah. boss fucking like, oh, you fucked up once, and, you know, fucking Darth Vader chokes the guy for, like, a minor fuck-up, you know? Q is, like, a PMC, like, working at, like, the Hillary campaign. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, I'll give you that. The he's fucking a, Vatican staffer. He's a real rube for this fucking whoever he's writing to. He oh, just yeah. seems to be, like, a bishop. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, bishop or archbishop. Well, yeah, he's a like a bishop, so a bishop with with political power. Yeah, and that's another like weird thing is like um, as you know, we go through this book, you'll see like prince bishops and shit like that, where it's like, yeah, this is a landowner who's like given the title of bishop by virtue of owning a shit ton of land. So like when you see like the term prince bishop or like somebody like that in Germany, it is like a large landholder. 
But well, I, I mean, you've always they're just skipping the conceit that uh, oh, a bishop is has a vow of poverty, right? So and like is, when you you're wealthy, it's supposed to be you're wealthy, and then you donate to the church, and then you by donating the church, then you're you're you lose all your you're broke now, and then you you have the vow of poverty, but then you also get a salary for your fucking silk robes or you know it's like they're just cutting through that bullshit yeah yeah and this is also like i mean one of luther's complaints and it was still a complaint like when the french your own money for the church money you're just keeping your own money i mean we should probably explain the concept of like indulgences too um yeah yeah because a lot of people um i mean the the a lot of people think oh you're buying your way out of hell well, no, I mean, hell is just supposed to be permanent, but I guess the vast majority of sinners who, you know, have done the bare, you know, have done the bare minimum, which is like, okay, believing in Christ, right? And then right. getting, you know, not not being a total fucking scumbag, then you're in purgatory. So then indulgences and um, the, the sales pitch wasn't for you. It was for your relative. I go, don't you want to get granny? five years off of her sentence right and it's yeah and it was combined with like this was like a voluntary tithe combined with mandatory tithing and yeah it was voluntary but also tied into shit that people still had the buy-in they thought that the crusades were cool yeah, yeah, I want to donate to send these fuckers over to kill Muslims and some fun. I don't even, I've never seen a map in my life, but I'm on board. Um, they thought the big churches were cool. They also yeah, make another, you know, so the indulgences get a bad rap. Well, no, no, because you could also buy your way into political power by paying them. You know, you, you could well, yeah, buy but your that's way into how you ended up with Prince Bishop. So, yeah, Germany yeah, is fucking whack because uh, this is just for. The second sons of nobles to have a job right it's to make up a title in the church for yourself by paying them it's like you know somebody getting an honorary degree after like doing a bunch of war crimes in this country yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. so, so yeah, that's I've, where the prince bishop is kind of unique where they're just uh yeah you know it's, it's breaking the normal rules where oh you you're, you're supposed to divorce yourself from your family landholding and just entirely become a church landlord and I so think they're letting you keep your family landlord you, you know your family lands and also get the tithes and the tithes where people fucking love that because that's 10 percent of the tax revenue of any jurisdiction yeah and i think um you know, you don't even have to go there. You know, the bishop doesn't have to do any in terms of actually like if they if they go there and they, you know, set up a seminary, that's just bonus. You know, right. that's just if they want to do it. You don't have to do anything. You they just usually, collect uh, they usually have like a somewhere to, like, to stick relics for like pilgrimages. So they could get people to walk, you know, 100 miles to come see like a foreskin or something. They do shit like that. <laughs> But yeah, it was like tourist stuff. You know what I mean? It was part of the economy. So we're in convents were just places you like stuck women who were out of control, you know? 
Like these things are there for a purpose. But no, I think I think that we need to forcibly take all of the incels and put them in monasteries, and then. <laughs> I yeah. I've thought after, about, after, after a generation, they'll just be brewing beer and beekeeping. I've thought <laughs> about fine. all the boats, but they didn't turn out so well last time with like the British. Yeah. That's what they would no, do no, in no. a previous era. <laughs> it's over. Well, yeah, that's colonial. It's we're interesting enough to. Um, this is not a colonial book. We're in the medieval era. You go join the monastery. I mean, that's why right. fucking Martha Martin, we talk about a fucking incel loser. I mean, he just didn't like law school. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of a lot of these people. I mean, like, um, you, and it was the only way you'd get like a, a lifetime gig where you didn't have to do anything. You could, if you were, you know, this is the time where people are like transcribing shit by hand before the printing press is there. I, this is where you have no, all like the monks. If you go to college and you literally, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a priest. Right. That's it. That's college. Yeah. So. You yeah, know, exactly. a doctor actually has to, you know, know something, right? So a lawyer, and lawyers here, you know, not it's not until the French Revolution that lawyers are, like, in charge. Lawyers oh, no, they're looked at as shitty. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, a shitty job. It's just a fucking a shitty kiss-ass. That was, like, yeah, Robespierre, like, his, he was, like, embarrassed to be a lawyer, like, during the, you know, it was a shit job. He did not make any money when he fucking originally ran to like go to paris you know no it's just it's just he made uh, you, you didn't literally break your your back you know you're fucking i mean the peasants here they're fucking arthritis in every single joint you know like yeah so being a lawyer would be better than that but no they did not make any money no you're disputing like small cases between like small holders of land or whatever you're just you know I can't even imagine. I mean, so Germany had 500 different nations. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it, it gets a little bit consolidated later, but then finally won. But it, also at this time, the Vatican is run by uh, the Borgia. Well, it was actually, the, I think Pope Alexander leaves in like the early 1500s, but the Borgias had just run the Vatican. So this is like the most corrupt time in the Vatican's history, basically. Uh, that's, you know, why there's so many grievances. The Borgias were around for a while. I mean, they ran Italy, and they had put down previous... No, I, I think we, we both agree that we hate Protestants with every fiber of our being, but the right. Vatican Church did not... Um, could have responded much better to this. You know, there was times... I think the issue was in the printing press. They... Luther could, you know, Lutherans, not Luther himself, he was a sellout, but Anabaptists and Lutherans could go out and print and put the Bible in, like, you know, regular German and other languages that people actually spoke. Uh, well, yeah, but that's where the Vatican, um, you know, like, okay, you get ahead of that. Yeah, I mean, before okay. they just kill you. After the first translation, then, you know, if, if the Vatican was as savvy as Apple is today, which it wasn't because it was running off of, you know, it was running off of the land economy and then we're starting to get the market economy. But, right. uh, you know, after the first fucking translation, then you have all the resources in the fucking world, literally. At your you, you get ahead of that. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, they, again, this was somebody they'd normally kill. People put Luther in, a, you know, Luther had protection. 
Yeah, because it had worked. I mean, it's, Luther didn't come up with. I mean, he's not. These are not exactly original ideas. It's been there's been heretics every single century since Christ. Right. I mean, they, 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 down. they love or whatever, whatever fucking whatever, whatever these these Protestants came up with. Someone had said it before, and the Vatican was just able to fucking kill them. Yeah. And they didn't get that with the printing press. It didn't matter if you killed the guy because his message is still out there. So that's, um, you know, they they weren't, you know, they weren't with it until the counter revolution. But um, I mean, we're getting way off the rails here. No, no. But, well, um, let's talk about this. No, we got to talk about the Jesuits. I mean, there's it's so no. we can do no. another fucking podcast <laughs> on the Jesuits. Yeah. Well, I think it's. Another thing to know is at this point in the book, um, Lutherans have basically established themselves as a church. They are an institutional church now. Oh, yeah. They have yeah, yeah, multiple. Yeah. Yeah, and they have recognized major, like, like the major councils and orders. Lutheran and Calvinist. And then we have all the wackos, all the nut jobs, you know, without state power. Again, yeah, those are the people running around calling themselves prophets. And there's hundreds of them. You know? Yeah. And Calvinists, yes. you just call yourself elect. The Lutherans at this point, were, like I said, were accepted in the town councils and things like that. They, they wasn't, the Vatican had just accepted that as like a fact. The Anabaptists, the Lutherans also didn't like them because they were causing trouble for the landlords and like the mid-level, um, you know, artisans and merchants who were suddenly pissed off that their idea to like get out of taxes was being fucked up by a bunch of lunatics calling themselves like the second coming, you know, and they blew this fucking plan. They were starting to blow this plan for him. So even the Lutherans were getting pissed off at the Anabaptists at this point. Luther himself is obviously just in hiding and useless and trying to, he rejects all of this roundly, of course, and tells the Anabaptists to stop multiple times. Yeah, what, what does he die of? Just like being too fat? What's that? What what does he die of? I don't know. I just assume being a drunk. I don't yeah. He just sat around until he died. He didn't do anything. He yeah. probably had diabetes or something. Is that real, Ben? <laughs> this fucking dumbass haircut. Yeah. Man, they all got some haircuts, though. Um, <laughs> put another picture of him as the image. But... I mean, do the one, the one with the hammer. He's yelling at them. All right. I will. My favorite character comes up at the very end of where we stopped today um, is Jan van Leiden, Jan of Leiden, John of Leiden. Um, he is a asshole. He is in his early 20s. I think he's like 24 at the time he meets Hoffman or at the time he meets uh, Matthias and our main character. They meet him in Leiden, which is a German city. Um, he has been a failed actor, a failed singer. A fa he's a pimp. Uh, oh, that's great! I I love I love guys like that. He is just a scumbag and a, like a theatrical asshole. Who, uh, as you go on, as like you go on Harry in the story, Truman. he's Harry a little Truman bit of an opportunist. Had, like, Fifteen failed jobs. He, yeah, he was not great. He didn't succeed at anything. He had like five failed jobs by the age of like twenty-four. Yeah, here he died at twenty-six. So, okay, I love those guys too. Yeah, he did not make it long. He didn't live as long as Hendrix. So, but yeah, he's a dick. He's a he's a fraud. Um, 
he is, but again, he's theatrical and he ends up becoming the mouthpiece for Jan Matthias as somebody who can draw a crowd, someone who is, uh, you know, he attracts attention. He likes to make a show. Um, we also, you know, eventually we'll start learning how like depraved these Anabaptists are and just, they don't care about anything, especially like Leiden. Um, Leiden really takes like some liberties with stuff later, but yeah, he's, just know that this character that we're introducing at the end of the section is a complete charlatan. And uh, what he does in Munster will end up showing that. But it, it's good to see him. It's a funny character to fucking introduce on. And after this part of the book, you know, we start heading to Munster. And this is where things pick up in a strange way. So I don't know. What what, what have we missed here for context? Anything? Um, hmm. No, I mean, we're building up, we're building up to a big conflict and uh, a resolution. And, yeah. uh, you know, I like that our, our guy who is the fictional character is, you know, fitting in within the, you know, the established historical figures. Um, you know, I'm definitely learning a lot about them. I, I guess one thing we didn't really talk about that yeah. came up a lot heavy in this chapter was, um, I guess, some of the women in the movement. In the in the first in the first uh, part one, you had uh, you know kind of his mentor had a wife who he was like totally in love with, or whatever, really re- respected, and right. um, you know, and, and any kind of countercultural thing, any kind of revolutionary movement, that that's a role for the woman to break social bounds, and you know, really, I mean, if everyone's on the run from the cops, it doesn't fucking matter what your gender is, no matter. I don't care if this is a thousand years ago or, you know, 50 years ago, right. Uh, you know? Yeah. And, it, and then it's really interesting when he's on the run and then he gets paired up with another woman on the run um, as her fake husband. That's and right. They fall in hiding. And, yeah. Yeah. And I and thought that it, was really touching and kind of endearing. Yeah, it's a nice little, like, break from the story because it does, like, I mean, we don't know this character's fucking name. So providing some context to him besides, like, the aid to a a rogue priest or, like, a fake prophet or whatever is something. But, um, yeah, that that is another thing that we'll start to see. uh, His fake wife is going by a fake name, too. And then eventually he just, like, up and disappears or whatever, you know? Like, oh, it was a nice fling while it lasted, but we're both fucking on the run. Yeah, it happened, and I think, like, you'll see the Anabaptists as we go on get real wild with breaking social yeah. norms of the time. Yeah, we're already seeing it a little bit because this is kind of, um, it's the the good hippie commune right now. Right, yeah. Which is like they kind of know what's coming, you know, where is the Charles Manson vibe? Because now it's just like, oh, they're raising each other's kids. The kids don't even know who their parents are, but it's dope because everyone's a, a doting, loving parent. I mean, you should say, um, like, these people ended up becoming, like, something like the Amish, basically, when they came here. You know, yeah. like, those are, like, the descendants of this, and that's why they have, like, this communal system set up and things like that. Now, the failure to embrace technology, yeah. I don't, that's on them, but... Yeah, um. Well, uh, in terms of the Amish, it's uh, fastest growing birth rate in uh, North America. <laughs> Great, more of them. Actually, the Amish and the Mormons. Start again. <laughs> yeah. 
We're gonna have to deal with these fucks again. It's gonna, split, it's gonna be a split down the middle, man. I'm <laughs> probably the Mississippi Mormons on the left and Amish on the right. Right, yeah. We'll have to live under the Germans. They're gonna be they're gonna be um you know Mormons of Mexican descent though. Because they're making huge <laughs> inroads of conversion. Yeah, it's a race between us and them for like space. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder what that scene is. Um, if there's any kind of books about uh the american what is it the second great awakening where they come up with all the shit not just the mormonism but um uh christian science yeah come um, up with, adventist come up with. the millerites appear during that time yeah um oh yeah 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 the left behind <laughs> yeah that well i mean they're still around yeah um universal this- unitarians come up transcendentalist uh yeah i mean what not yet like for one big wacko idea to break through and then every fucking wacko gets a shot if yeah if the prince if the pope could have seen like the military bible that the protestants print up i think he would have done more to stop this or like that bible that guy i haven't haven't heard of that what is it's just like camouflage that's all Oh, oh, that Bible oh. that like they stopped the printing of that had the Constitution and God bless the USA in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and wish you could go show that. I wish I could show it to Luther. Yeah. Be like, look what you did. Uh, he'd be he'd be on board with that. Yeah, he's a piece of true. I'd yeah, show it to be, the Pope then. Yeah, 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 the, the Pope would be a I mean, I'm going to uh, the Holy Roman Emperor with this. In our book would be you know again, but Luther Luther would be fucking. Luther would be there at at the mega church. Yeah, I mean he'd go where the money was. That's way to wrap it up. I've kind of been rambling for a little. No, no. Well, let's talk about the one last thing that we're kind of missing here is fucking Q. Oh yeah, (laughs) he doesn't really show up in this part. He just he just has a bit at the beginning where he's gloating like, "Ha ha, my plan worked." Right. We find out that he wrote the fake letter to the first group of. Uh, you know, hasn't revolutionaries. I don't even know that they were Anabaptists at that point. They were, I guess they were just radical, you know, they're radical reformation. They were Lutherans, but they were disobeying. Oh, yeah. the, the peasants weren't anything. The peasants just wanted a better deal. Right. You know, and then the their leaders, you know, may have had these various ideologies, but the peasants were just like, you know, you, this is a, they, they saw the, the gains that the, the various, the lower classes in the city, which compared to the peasants or upper classes, they saw the gains that they made and they're like, well, you guys actually, you know, are worth throwing our lot in with. That also which turns out that they weren't, you know, they all died, but uh, there's also people who don't would have died anyway, right? Yeah, there, you'll also see repeated occurrences in this book where people don't, they don't want to join, you know, they say no thanks, like, yeah. There's plenty of instances where they realize, like, oh, this is just like a lunatic with the end is near sign running around. You know, like, fuck. Yeah, you know, and, uh, we saw this, I think this was more part one, where right. during the peasants' war, that's when the peasants were getting, the loyal peasants were getting raises. And that's all that they wanted. So at that point, you won. Yeah. You could go home. They got some, like, representation in the cities, too. So, I mean, like, the people who'd be the equivalent of liberals at the time were fine, you know? 
the urban like classes and the peasants on the outside of the cities were fine. They had been bought off, but the, yeah, the Anabaptists are running around and oftentimes they will be, you know, rejected. Um, Munster is not people from Munster that ends up changing the demographics end up shifting, but either way, Q isn't really present. Q comes back a little bit after where we are, I believe, but um, only in, in the beginning did we find out, yeah, he set up the whole ambush of the first round of the peasant revolution or well, that, proto-Anabaptist revolutionaries who had thought they had reinforcements coming and ended up being slaughtered. He needs this come up. I hope they they time to four different horses and have him fucking, you know, run away. Yeah, the Vatican still lives. He can do whatever. Take him. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because obviously um, it is implying that, like, yeah, he's going to play a role in the events of somehow around Munster, the events of Munster, you know? And clearly, this does become a sort of like intelligence, fake intelligence operation, like of manipulation and shit like that. Which you fucking rubes, that's the real cue. Like, you know, oh, yeah. he's, watch, watch what fucking happens. It'll be the same. But yeah, uh, he's, I feel like we're going to find out more in part three because it will lead to a confrontation. But we still have to finish part two, obviously, which I think will get us through Munster. So I don't know. I think we've covered most of what I wanted yeah. to hit you of anything. Yeah. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, uh, The Munsters Remake by director Rob Zombie. Yeah. How many theaters by you? Sponsored Filmed by my pillow. You know why? Also sponsored by my pillow and um, the sticker that fixed the the leaking boat. You know, you you seen? the flex seal. <laughs> yeah, flex seal. Yeah, and Trump hats. Buy them now before they're gone. Hands yeah, you made. Yeah, but yeah, you so, in Mexico. Trump hats. Let's um, while we're here, we yeah. will be back. Let's finish. Aim to finish part two for the next one. Sure. Don't have a date at the point, but we will set one and set up a live event for the end of part two because I think we will be going over. Uh, the whole, the rest of the events in Munster, which will be a very big story to tell, and uh, it gets wild. Coming to a Netflix streaming service near you. I wish. I that's wizard. for real. That's for fucking real. The Munster is directed by Rob Zombie. Look that up. Oh, film it. I don't want that. No. No. I'm going to see Space Jam. So. You don't want to take a ride in his Dragula? No, I'm going to see Space Jam with Ugly Lola Bunny. So okay, well, um, it's time to go. Uh, I'm I'm currently editing the sexy bunny from the '90s into every scene. <laughs> you know, sexier. Give me some pirated footage. Yeah, and then Make I'll it. edit the sexy '90s bunny into. Then your deviant art submissions, That's Tyler. Luther, man. If you want to make him regret his life choices, you need to show him the, the unsexy Lola Bunny. We should make him story. Yeah, you lead to secularism. That's what you did. But yeah, unsexy secular prudish secularism. Yeah, but all right, we will be back at the end of part two. So if anybody's following, there are some people following along. So read through part two or. We'll be at the end uh-huh. Yeah, I know. We've been fucking up. We'll be back faster next time. But sorry if you're out.
I don't know. That's it, man. I will be back in I'd probably a couple weeks. Let's try like two weeks or so. And that will be it for the Left is Dead book club tonight. Goodbye. All right. When the IRA put the guns away from the British parliaments, my battle soothe their mind hearts because they read the Neponis. Yeah! Sides. We're soldiers, centuries told. In 1981, we brought up a fight. The IRA 